So welcome everybody, nice to see you. We've to see you, see you nice, yeah. So guarding your heart, we started a new series last week called Guarding Your Heart. And remember from Proverbs chapter four, I know everybody knows this already, but Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And I like what the New Living Translation there says, guard your heart above all else, for it, for your heart, determines the course of your life. So we learned that our affections set our directions. Do you remember that, those that were here last week? So we learned that, what, it, what does it mean to guard our hearts? We learned what it's not, what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we become suspicious of everybody and we hold everybody out at arm's length. Remember that? It's not about isolating yourself. We're not talking about COVID restrictions here, but we do need to be mindful of the company that we keep. Remember, bad company corrupts good character. Or, as a modern version would say, if you lie down with dogs, you'll get up with fleas, remember? So what it is, what it, what it does mean about guarding your heart is paying attention to the welfare of our innermost being, paying attention. It's, it's about our inner life. It's about guarding our hearts. And so last week we learned about how we have to guard our hearts from our own thoughts. Because Proverbs 23, 7 says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we've got to be careful and mindful of our thought life. And, um, and we looked at the account of David when he came back to Ziglag. Remember that? And the place had been burnt to the ground. It had been razed to the ground by the Amalekites. And he arrived there, him and his 600 men, and... Um, Oh, that's a noise, isn't it? Um, it will soon stop, I promise you. But, um, but they, 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 they arrived at Ziklag, and the place had been razed to the ground. It was totally wiped out, and they'd um, taken captive all the women and all the children. And then the 600 men of David's spoke about stoning him. So things were bad, but then they got worse, okay, for David. So it's not, very, not much fun when the guys that you think are for you decide to stone you. So what did he do? In 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, it says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Remember, he strengthened himself. And he wrote that psalm, Psalm 27, that says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So discouragement the, the, the anecdote for discouragement or losing heart is hope. He would have lost heart unless he had believed. So the remedy for losing heart is hope. So we covered that all last week. I know it was a good message, even if I say so myself. I enjoyed it. I, I learned a lot from even preparing it. So, and we finished off uh, talking about biblical hope, what biblical hope is. It's about um, believing that what God says he has promised, he will bring to pass. That is what biblical hope is. So today we're going to look at another aspect in which we need to, another, way, another area of our lives where we need to guard our hearts. And it's the area of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. And again, like we did see in last week's message, the importance of renewing our minds 
that we can't just accept every thought that drops into our heads. That, you know, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. So it's about renewing our minds. And the correlation between, between renewing our minds and having faith. And you'll see that forgiveness works by faith. Like hope works by faith. So we'll see, that, we'll see the correlation. And we'll see it in this area of forgiveness. So maybe, maybe I seem very loud suddenly. Gosh. Maybe we've heard, maybe you've heard many messages on the subject of forgiveness. And maybe you're doing well in this area. If so, I'll sit down and you can come up here and take over. Because I tell you what, it's a learning process, isn't it? Um, and sometimes it is a bit of a struggle. You know, I don't know of anybody that's arrived, okay? And, um, you know, sometimes you think, oh, I've been around that mountain. I know that I've struggled in this certain area, maybe. Then all of a sudden, something will trigger you. You know, who else gets triggers? Just a little thing happens, or somebody says something, and you think, my goodness, have I really... I thought I'd dealt with this. I thought I was okay in this area. But suddenly this trigger comes up, and all those thoughts and all those emotions come rushing back. So then you think, ah, oh, maybe I'm not in forgiveness. And maybe I've got to go through the whole process all over again. And then you start feeling guilty. And then you start feeling condemned. And you go on this downward spiral. I don't know if that happens to anybody else but me, but that's how I go. Thank you. God bless you, Margaret. One honest person. <laughs> so... The important thing, though, we're going we're gonna to look and we're going to unpack a little bit. We're going to have a bit of clarity, hopefully, by the end of today, about what forgiveness is about. So why should we forgive? Good question, eh? Why should we forgive? Why can't we just be bitter and twisted if we feel like it? No, we're commanded by God to forgive. And so we can see that in Luke chapter 6, verse 37. Luke 6, verse 37. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus speaking. He says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. That's Luke 6. Colossians 3, verses 12 to 13. We're just going to fire off a whole bunch of scriptures today. Colossians 3, it says, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved... Saints, that's you. If you're a child of God, you are holy and beloved. That's you and me. And he says, put on tender mercies, put on kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Final scripture, just, in the, just by way of introduction, Ephesians chapter 4 from the Passion Translation. I like this version. It says, Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums. There we go. Temper tantrums. Or even maybe, how about rant? That's a new word, or it's a, it's a very modern word. We allow to have our rant. Let's, let's, but it says, lay it aside. Lay, stop throwing your toys out the cot. Stop having a temper tantrum. 
okay? Stop looking for revenge. Looking for revenge, ooh, profanity, swearing, and insults. But instead, be kind and affectionate towards one another. Be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then you graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. What a scripture. You know what I've noticed in all three of these scriptures? Not once does it say, you must forgive, and that's that. Every single one of these three scriptures says, it speaks about receiving forgiveness and then giving forgiveness. We cannot give what we don't have. We can try and forgive from our own personal strength and self-determination, but that's not biblical forgiveness. We're talking about what the Bible says. So we see that it's, it's not a suggestion, it is a command. And the important thing to remember is, who's asking us, who's telling us, who's commanding us to forgive? It's God, God, who is, who's, whose mercy reaches the heavens. He's telling us to forgive. And so when we, when we know that God is telling us to forgive, let's take a quick look at who he is. And in 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 and 4 in the NIV, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. This is who's telling us to forgive. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And he says, the Bible says he comforts us in all our troubles so we can comfort others. We can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves receive from God. So the forgiveness that we receive, we need to extend to others. You know what? God's not just being a killjoy. He's not saying you must forgive and you can't have fun and that's that. But forgiveness is a necessity and it's beneficial to us. Charles Spurgeon said this, to be forgiven is such sweetness that honey is tasteless in comparison to it. To be forgiven is such sweetness. You know, to just sit and meditate, you know, some of these songs that we sang this morning, talking about the mercy of God, talking about the goodness of God, to meditate on that. It's such sweetness that even, I've got in my cup here, I've got some honey, and it's sweet. But the thought that God forgives me is even sweeter than this honey. And, not, and it doesn't end there. There's something that's even sweeter than that honey taste, and that is to forgive others. It just does something inside of us. It does something inside of us. I don't know how many of you had a hot cross bun this morning. We had hot cross buns here this morning, and they were really delicious, weren't they? And you know what? It's not even Easter. In the old days, I like to refer back to the old days, but in the old days, hot cross buns were only available at Easter time. But nowadays, they're available 365, 365 days a year. If there's a leap year, 366. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Mathematician at the back there. Thanks, Chris. But, so, and, but the important thing is, I mean, Easter. 
The message of Easter is all about forgiveness, isn't it? That's what the message of Easter is. But it's like Easter, it's not just a once-off. Forgiveness is not just a once-off. It's not just on the day of your salvation or on this particular day, maybe at Easter Sunday or Christmas, you suddenly get a revelation that God forgives you or or you feel that God's being particularly sort of benevolent to you today and you've received a little dose of forgiveness. No, God's forgiveness is available 365 days a year. You know, I've been saved for 30 years now, praise God, because it's by His grace only, it's not by my works, believe you me. But you know what? I stumble and I do fall from time to time. I won't say how frequently or how often, but I still need to go to God on a daily basis. Lord, forgive me. Your, your blood washes me and cleanses me. It's not that I'm deliberately sinning on purpose, but things happen, you know? We're in this world. But His grace and forgiveness is poured out on us on a daily basis. It's like that scripture Chris spoke about, Psalm 103, it says, He daily loads us with benefits. Lamentations 3 says, His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness. Just through faith in Jesus alone, through faith in Jesus, that's, why, that's the reason why we are forgiven. If we've received Jesus Christ as your, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're forgiven. You are forgiven. That's the gospel message. That's the gospel message, is that our sin separated us from God. Jesus paid the price. We receive what he's done on the cross, and now we are forgiven. He took our sin upon himself so that we could walk free. That's what forgive actually means. It means to let, to set free, to let go, to let go of something. That's what it means, forgiveness means. So we need to remind ourselves how much forgiveness has come to us. In Psalm 103, there are loads of scriptures, but I'll just give you one. Psalm 103, verses 8, 8 to 12, it says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger. This is God. Slow to anger abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us grace. He gives us mercy. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the West. So far has he removed our transgressions from us. So far. We're completely forgiven. Not half, not 50%. Completely forgiven. The slate has been wiped clean. And the reason why the slate has been wiped clean is because Jesus paid that price. We are completely forgiven, and we are now in that relationship with God for, through the blood of Jesus Christ. God has created us for relationship, for intimacy, for fellowship. 
by the forgiveness of our sins. I mean, how beneficial, what, more, what other benefit are you looking for? We've got this open door. We can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. How wonderful. Remember last week we, from Psalm 27, David said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. And there's that direct correlation between encouragement and for, for encouragement for our hearts and hope. And it's the exact same principle that is at work here. You cannot feel forgiven unless you believe you're forgiven. We cannot base our lives on feelings, but we have to believe that we are forgiven. And the way that that happens is renewing our minds. Romans 12, verse 2. Faith has to come. Hope has to be renewed. Forgiveness comes and operates by faith. I mean, how do you actually know that you're forgiven? It's all by faith. It's because God said so in the Bible. So you believe it. That's called faith. So this is how we know that we are, that, that what he says is true. This is Bible hope. Two scriptures that he gives us in Ephesians, there are loads, but Ephesians 1.4, he says, in Christ we are made holy and without blame. In Christ we are made holy and without blame. In other words, faultless. Faultless. In Christ we are faultless, forgiven. Ephesians 1, a little bit further, he says, in Christ we have the forgiveness of sins. Redemption through his blood, according to the riches of his grace. We are 100% forgiven. I think we've established that, hey? So when it comes down to us forgiving others, we've ascertained we are 100% forgiven, but now we've got to allow that forgiveness to flow through us. He who's been forgiven much, loves much. Forgiveness is the step that we need to take to experience peace in our own lives. Forgiveness is good for us. Not just the person who's offended us or hurt us or disappointed us, but it's, forgiveness is for us. It's beneficial to us. It's not a cruel command that God is placing on us, trying to be a killjoy and making light of the people that have hurt us. That's not the purpose of forgiveness. But by forgiving those who hurt us, heals and heals our own hearts and helps us to find peace. That's the power of forgiveness. So forgiving others is beneficial to us. But we come up with all kinds of reasons why we shouldn't. I don't know, maybe it's only me. But I, you know, I can think of reasons why I shouldn't forgive. And, I mean, here's a little list. We sometimes think, well, if I forgive that person, they're going to repeat, they're going to become a repeat offender. They're going to do it again. Or it's easier to ignore that person altogether. Just dismiss them, you know, be dismissive, pretend they don't exist. That's, that's the old way that I used to be. Mm -mm, don't, they don't exist. Cut them out of my life. Or we think, I'm not ready to forgive. Or it's too early to forgive. Or it's too late to forgive. You know, when's the best time to forgive? The best time to forgive is before the offence happens. 
Don't, you know what, you can choose not to be offended. You can actually make that choice. I've got a scripture and I'll get it to you hopefully. But you can choose to not take offense. It's a choice. Some, some, some of the other thoughts that we think is that if we forgive them, we're letting them off the hook and then they've won. And that's not the case, isn't it? I can see lots of heads shaking. But I think this is one of the main ones is our desire for fairness. It's just not fair. It's just not fair. I'm the one who's hurting, but I'm the one who needs to forgive. It's just not fair. You know what, our need for fairness can make us resistant to the idea of forgiveness. We justify our need for, forgiveness, for, for fairness. And sometimes when we consider forgiving someone, it can sound so hard that the thought of becoming bitter and resentful can seem justifiable. I'd rather become, I'd rather become bitter and resentful than forgive. You can almost justify yourself. But those words, it's not fair. It's not fair. Those words will always trip us up. God commands us to forgive those who've hurt us. And that can actually seem unfair. You know, firstly, that person hurts you, and now God says to you, forgive that person. But that's not fair either. You know, what about this person that's going around hurting everybody? That's between them and God. But between you and God, you forgive. You forgive. Let God be the judge. Isaiah 30, 18 says, For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. And in Romans 12, let me just quickly read it. I didn't give it to Johnny to put up on the screen, but I do want to read this. Romans chapter 12. Good to go to the Bible again, isn't it? I've got them, all my scriptures on my notes. I like to hear the pages turning. Listen to this. Romans 12, verse 19 onwards. It says, Do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not, be, do not overcome evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. That's so fast. I didn't give Johnny that scripture. Did I give it to you earlier, Johnny? Give the guy a hand. Come on. <coughs> that was awesome. Speedy. So... Where are we going with my message? I've lost myself now. You see, John, you distracted me. <laughs> but I forgive you. <laughs> so we can't get, so we, we operate by faith when we're extending forgiveness to others as well. We, we are operating by faith. We don't receive forgiveness from God based on our feelings. And in the same way, we don't extend forgiveness to others based on our feelings. What we're doing is, the way that faith kicks in when we are extending, um, extending forgiveness to others, is that you're entrusting that person to God. You're just saying, God, I trust you. I trust you with this person. But as for me, you know what, when, you, when we pray, when we, if someone hurts us, we don't go to the phone, <laughs> we, 
we go to the throne, okay, and just speak to God. Because this is the relationship. It's, that's what I'm talking about earlier. It's about forgiveness. Forgiveness is by the blood of Jesus Christ, but my relationship is, is with God. It's this, it's this um, vertical relationship. But the relationship that I have with others is horizontal. So if someone comes and hurts me, sometimes it's, it's needed to say to the person, I forgive you, but sometimes it's not. Don't, don't, say, don't go looking for things and say go up to somebody and say, you know what, three years ago you said such and such and it offended me. The person will think you're nuts, okay, because you, you need to have worked through that one. But, um, but if somebody does offend you, go into your prayer closet and pray. But it's between you and God because we're talking about guarding our heart. We've got to guard our heart against unforgiveness. Listen to what this says in Psalms uh, sorry, Proverbs 4. I've got to read this. Proverbs 4. It's another one of those last-minute scriptures. Proverbs chapter 4. I know Johnny's got it up on the screen already. He's ahead of me. Proverbs 4. Okay, I'll read it from the screen. I'm not too fast. Proverbs chapter 4. No. Sorry, Johnny, it's not you, it's me. Oh, gosh. No, that's the wrong scripture, sorry. That's the wrong scripture. Okay, take that one down, sorry. We'll go to Psalm 62, verses 5 and 8. 5 to 8. It says, My soul, wait patient, wait silently for God alone. For my expectation is from him. We come to God and I say, my expectation is from you. You only are my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. God is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to him. God is a refuge for us. And it says, Selah, that means pause, think about it, meditate on this. If someone's hurt you, if someone's offended you, go to God. He is your defense. He is the rock. He's the one that unch is unchanging. Trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. Forgiveness is the very thing that God designed to, to heal the hurting heart. It's the very thing that God designed to heal the hurting heart. So forgiveness is actually between myself and God. And refusing to forgive can cause an offense or hurt to become a heavy burden for us to carry. Matthew 11, 28, 29, Jesus said, Come to me, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. It's talking here about guarding our hearts our inner life, our souls. He's out to find rest 
for your soul. He says you will find rest for your soul. How many here need rest for your soul? I know I do. I need rest for my soul. Listen to what it says in the Passion Translation. It says, are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. I am your oasis. What is an oasis? An oasis is that, is that, you know, a spring that comes up in the desert. So you can have a desert region and all of a sudden you'll have this oasis with palm trees and flowers and beauty around it, but it's a, there's a freshness. And he says, simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. That's what forgiveness does. We come to God. Join your life with his. Join your life with his. Learn his ways. Matthew 5, 43 to 45 says this. You've heard that it was said, this is Jesus speaking. He said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Yes. <laughs> but I say to you, Jesus says, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Ah! And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. We've spoken at great length to, to be sons and daughters of God. The calling on our lives is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Romans 8 talks about it. And that word when it says you may be sons of your Father in heaven, it's huios. It's those mature sons and daughters. This is, where, this is where you show your maturity or lack thereof. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. And the CEV says, when you do these things, you'll be acting like your Father in heaven. Because that's what God does. That's what God does. He doesn't withhold good from us. He doesn't, he doesn't judge us. The judgment for our lives is upon Jesus. But you'll be like, him. You'll be like God. You'll be walking in his ways. We'll become like him. We'll be conforming to his image. This isn't about behavior modification. We're not trying to behave in a certain way to get God's approval. We've already got God's approval in Christ. If Jesus is your personal savior, you have God's approval. But become an imitator of God. He says, love your enemies. That's not based on our feelings. That's not based on our emotions. It's agape love. It's the love of God. It's not an emotional, wishy-washy love. It's the love of God. He says, love your enemies. The Amplified, oh, you see, ugh, this is cringy, says, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies. Should we say that again? Unselfishly seek the best or higher good your enemies. That's the love of God. Bless those who curse you. In other words, when to, to bless means to speak, to invoke a blessing, to speak well of. Don't speak unkind words about the person against your enemies. Time to zip the lip. Bless those who curse you. Do good 
to those who hate you. Do good. You know what? I remember Ray McCauley during the uh, past in South Africa. Um, there was a certain radio a reporter who used to, I mean, he had it in for Ray McCauley. I don't know what it was. He just hated him with a passion. And every newspaper was splashed with bad reports about Ray McCauley. And the radio was full of it. And Ray just sent him chocolates, carried on blessing him. And I believe the guy got saved and got radically saved in one of our meetings. He came there to, 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 to write down more bad stuff and the Holy Spirit convicted him. But don't, you know, you know, sometimes God's like, ah, oh, he speaks to, uh, to our hearts. Do good to those who, 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 who hate us and pray for them. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Pray for them. Don't pray God's judgment. Don't pray, God, get them. No, God, pray, pray God's blessing. This is tough. It's tough. But it's called dying to self. It's about crucifying this flesh. If they're a child of God, if a child of God has hurt you, another Christian has hurt you, you know what? God is more interested in them conforming to the image of Jesus. And God will get to them in whichever way he likes. But it's up to us. We forgive that person and pray God's blessing upon them and let God be the judge. Let him do it. So, when we've done all these things, when we've loved our enemies, when we've blessed them, when we've prayed for them, you know what? You might still feel hurt. You might still feel disappointed. Whatever the emotion is, you might still feel anger. But forgiveness is a decision, but it's also a process. It's a journey. It's not, it's not like a one-stop shop. It doesn't just magically disappear. I've prayed a prayer and then that's it. The Bible says, how many times do I have to forgive? Jesus says, 70 times seven. And I think that's in one day. How many times has Jesus forgiven me? Man, loads, loads. I can't even count the number of times. I say, Lord, help. And he's, okay, forgive you, forgive you. Let's move on. But it's a process. It's a journey. You know what, in the NIV version of the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, you know, our Father in heaven, that one, that, the NIV version, it consists, the Lord's Prayer consists of 94 words, but receiving forgiveness makes up 46 of those words. There's almost 50% of the Lord's Prayer is a foundation on forgiveness, and I think that's speaking volumes. So forgiveness is a decision, but it's also a process. Forgiveness is a journey. Will you start that journey today? Will you start it today? You know what, maybe while I've been speaking, the Lord has brought people to your remembrance that you've been struggling. Maybe that you've been struggling for years. But God wants to start the healing process today. God wants to start the healing process. Maybe you've got pain in your heart from whatever that hurt is. And you know what we do? We don't just ignore it. We don't just sort of sweep it under the carpet. We acknowledge there is pain in my heart. Yes, this person has hurt me. There is pain. But I've got to acknowledge that pain. I've got to know that pain exists. It's real. It doesn't, we don't just stick our heads in the sand. That pain is real. 
and those, but the, that's a feeling, but that feeling can change. It can change. We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to guard our hearts against that unforgiveness. This thing is a process. I haven't got all the answers about how this whole thing pans out. I'm journeying this myself at this stage. But we've got to guard our hearts against unforgiveness, against bitterness, against anger, against malice. We've got to forgive. You know what, when Nelson Mandela, he was, he was uh, in prison for 27 years, for 27 years, and when he was released from prison, these were his words. He said, as I walked out the door of the prison after 27 years towards the gate that would lead to my freedom, I knew that if I didn't leave my bitterness and hatred behind, I'd still be in that prison. That's what Nelson Mandela said. And I don't know what his belief system was, but that's what, that's what unforgiveness does. It keeps us prisoned. It keeps us in prison. So I'm going to just close now. We're going to close in prayer.